0: Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting SPARKSWillFly as one word, APP to 77977. That's SPARKS Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Good to see you this morning. I I want to go to the book of Proverbs, the 13th chapter. I want to grab a verse of scripture out of there, and I want to go to Luke chapter 10 and then Luke chapter 12. Um, This morning, I just want to try to set up a foundation of maybe what I'll begin to share in the days ahead. There's no way I could cover all of this um, this morning, but just maybe maybe set up some things of what I I want to share in the coming days. But, you know, we had Pastor Chris here last week, and um, one of the things that he told me, he he, sometimes that, he said, you know, as a teacher, you don't expect a lot lot of great hype from the crowd or someone if you're just teaching, but I'm telling you, I'm amazed at what the teacher's seeing the Word, how the teachers bring it out, and we desperately need that. And I believe that it is a much-needed gift right now in this time um, in this house. And I've just told him that I plan to bring him in, uh, I think, pretty regular, And so he'll be with us again just in a few weeks in September. But one of the things that he talked about is that the teaching gift helps us to repent or to change the way we think. And that's what repentance is. It's not just necessarily going to an altar crying about feeling sorry for yourself or sorry about what you did. But repent means, re means to go back, pent means top floor. It really means to to, to think differently uh, about our approach uh, to the kingdom. And so um, with this this morning, I want to talk about, uh, I, I want to talk about wealth. And um, I know they say, well, man, why would you talk about that on Sunday morning? Why wouldn't you just use that on Wednesday night? It's just where I've been at, and I don't really want to set this up. It was back in January of this year. I think it was the first or second week of January. I was on YouTube, and a and a little clip popped up of Lance Wall. Now I listened to Lance a good bit, and um, he was uh, showing this place that he had bought for his for his ministry headquarters in Dallas. And one of the things that he was sitting and he was talking about just uh, just really where God brought him from and where he's at today. And um, and so he was going through the place, and he said this, and he got one part in the place, and he said that I didn't go to the bank to get any money for this project. You know what I'm saying? He he paid for everything uh, with cash, and he's he gets to the he walks outside to an area, and there was a man sitting there uh, at the table, and Lance said, "I owe this man my life. What he's taught me about kingdom finance and how to handle my money." And, and, and things like that. And he said that this man has changed my whole life. And so how many knows that Jesus talked a lot about money? Because what he was teaching us was stewardship, right? And one of the things that I was taught, and, and a lot of people believe about stewardship, is if I hand you $10 and you come back, I come back to you a year later and you still have the 10 most people believe you stored that. You did not store that. You babysit that. But kingdom stewardship is all about bringing increase to what you have. And now let's just say this, that I remember when I was, um, Catherine, I remember this, I was in my early 20s. Um, on the job I had, we had a lady that did all the bookkeeping. She was Jewish. How many knows that Jewish people don't have any problems with money? I was looking just the, uh, the other week on, in 2010 that the Forbes top 130 of them were Jewish men. And they're less than 1%. It's a small percentage. I can't remember the exact percentage of the population in the U.S. But they have a whole different approach. And the thing about it is, is they're using the standards that God set forth in the Old Testament. Y'all right? All right. And so, uh, but God has a purpose for the wealth. And I'm not talking about just running around here driving uh, Ferraris and Sparks. Although it would be cool, wouldn't it? If we're going to bring kingdom transformation, it's going to take a lot of money to get it. All right, I'm going to preach to Catherine and Steve. Danny, you help me keep him awake and we'll have a great service. <laughs> so let's look at this in Proverbs chapter 13. I want to start in verse 22. It's one verse of scripture here. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. It says, the benevolent man leaves an inheritance that endures to his children's children. How many that knows it? That is the will of God in this room for us. Not only are we to, r- relieve to leave an inheritance of finances, but the stories of what God has done for us throughout the ages. Come on, y'all. I, I, one of the things that I live with, I heard Jensen Franklin preach one time about touching the old bones. Remember when the, when the, uh, Elisha was dead and they threw the man into the grave. He touched those bones and come up. Our children should have a lot to touch. And I'm not just talking about money. Please do not reduce what I'm doing. Kingdom wealth is not about money, friend. Trust me. It's a whole lot deeper than that. It's about having health. It's about being prosperous in your soul and everything that encompasses life. Jesus said, I died so that you could have life and life more abundantly. He did not go to the cross and purchase everything at Calvary so that we could hang on to a pew and wait on to the rapture, barely making it in this life. Actually, this is training ground for what you're going to reign in eternity with. All right. So the benevolent man leaves an inheritance that endures to his children's children. But the, wealth, the, but the wealth of the wicked is treasured up for the righteous. Now, many prophets that are recognized by the body of Christ begin to herald something in the early 90s about a wealth transfer. I do believe that before it's said and done that the church will see the greatest wealth transfer in the history of the nation. One of the greatest wealth transfers that is recorded in scripture is when the children of Israel left out of Egypt. Are you with me now? And they took all the wealth of that land and bought, which is a picture of what's going to happen when the church moves into kingdom reign on the earth of this picture of the wealth uh, being transferred. What you got to understand, the reason why certain people have seats at the table is not because of their character put them there. Come on somebody, it's not because of the medical degrees that Bill Gates has a a seat at the table when it comes to talking about medicine and vaccinations what gives him a seat at the table is the wealth that he possesses alright I found this quote in reading and it kind of shocked me a little bit it says no one would remember the good Samaritan if he only had if he only had good intentions He had money as well, Margaret Thatcher. But let's go to Luke chapter 10. I got a lot of places to travel, and it's going to take just a little bit to get there. Father, I pray for the spirit of revelation to come in this room this morning to see. To see. Let the illumination, Father, come in this room this morning. I pray, Father, that the eyes of the prophetic would be bestowed upon this body of people, Father, that we would begin to see what is the hope and the calling that you have for us, God, in this region. Father, it's bigger than any church, God. I mean, Lord, have mercy. This is not it, Father. There is something big on the horizon. There's something great on the horizon. Father, and I pray that you will begin to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, I pray that you will begin to help us position our families, Lord God, where there's been generations. Father, after generation of just poverty and struggle, I pray that you begin to eye, give us eyes to see. And Father, you begin to release tools to us, God, to defeat those things, Father. That we can begin to position our families into that Proverbs 13. God, that we can begin to leave inheritance, Lord. God, that we'll begin to leave more than just a 22 rifle. God, but we'll begin to leave some things, Lord, behind to the next generation. God, that is your will that a generation stands, Father God, on, on the on the really on the on the roof to or where the previous generations uh finished that. And so, Lord, I pray that that momentum will begin to take place in this region. Father, and the things that have prevented us from doing that, you begin to highlight to us, God, where we can begin to adjust those things. Lord, you're not here to beat up on us. Lord, you're not here to, to bang us and whatever. We've all made financial mistakes, Lord, and I pray that you would forgive us of that. But, Lord, I pray that you would begin to show us by your Spirit there is a more excellent way, God. There is a better way, God, and there is a place, Lord, called the kingdom of God where there is abundance. And pray, God, we begin to live in that place in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at Luke 10. This story took on a, when I found that quote by Margaret Thatcher, this story took on a whole new meaning to me. So let's go with looking at the, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, I'm in Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. Then a, Just then a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines. He posted this question, Teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? Jesus replied, What does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? The religious scholar answered. It states, You must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and every thought. And you must love your neighbor as well as you, as, as you love yourself. Jesus said that that is correct. Now go and do exactly that and you, will li- and you will live. Wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus' father saying, what do you mean by my neighbor? Jesus replied, listen, and I will tell you. There was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when bandits robbed him along the way. They beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Soon, a Jewish priest walking down the same road came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed on the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed on the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with the tender compassion for him. He stopped down and gave him his gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine, and bandaging and bandaging them to stop bleeding, to stop the bleeding. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an end. Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning, he took his own money. Look at your neighbor say, he took his own money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words, take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. So now tell me which one of the three men who saw the wounded man proved to be the true neighbor? The religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. Jesus said, you must go and do this. You must go and do the same as he. Now, there's a lot that can be taught out of that. But I want to approach it from a wealth mindset and from a financial standpoint. One of the reasons why I believe that the preacher, I'm just saying this, could it be the reason why that the preacher passed this man by is because he did not have the resources that was needed to see about his needs? One of the things, the reasons why the church cannot make much difference in the societies and the communities we live in is because we lack resources to make a true impact. I'm not just talking about giving money. I know that Chris Vallotton says this, we will never take care of poverty without throwing money at it, but we cannot fix it with just throwing money at it. We must begin to get in there and teach us, not just giving people a fish, but it is teach them how to fish so that they can have fish long after you're gone. How I many knows what i saying? So, so here, I remember watching, um, what is it, the show, is it called Shark Tank, where they have the entrepreneurs there, and they bring the young, there was this young little guy that they brought in, and he had, had uh, bow ties or whatever I think it was, and he had created his own bow ties, and he was selling for like 50 bucks a piece. And all of these investors come in there and one offered him a certain amount of money. I think it was like close to maybe $200,000 is what he was offered at one point. And then one guy said, listen here, I won't give you any money, but I'll give you one day a week of my time to sit down and talk to you about entrepreneurship. And I'll begin to teach you how I've taken my clothing line and my companies to the next level. And so I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, this guy's giving him far more than the $200,000. You know what I'm saying? What is this kid? So they go back and they consult. He neglected to take the $200,000, and he took the guy's time that he would take and invest in him. I believe that a decade from now, that young man's going to be worth far more than the $200,000 offered up to him. And so I believe that one of the things when it takes about creating wealth and the things that we, we want to do as a church, first of all, is it takes time to do what we're talking about. This church was started in 1991, March 10th of 1991. We're in 2020, but we're still on the same road. Are you with me now? It's had many turns and many changes, but Paul talks about this. He said that the signs of the apostolic were done among you with all signs, wonders and perseverance. So the main th- the main sign, one of the main signs of a true apostolic ministry is patience. It takes time to build something. It takes time to build your company. It takes time to build your portfolio. And it takes time to build wealth. Riches come and go. We're not after riches. We're after wealth. I'll say something in a minute. <laughs> you alright? So my, my looking at this is could it be? could it be that the priest? I was I was reading some things and studying this that one of the things that the church has warned, especially in the South, is they don't well, they don't wear wealth as a virtue. they wear poverty as a virtue. So we got to shift the way we think. And so many have even, if we get this back even in the third century when Constantine come in, that they made the priest take the vow of poverty. If, we, if the poorer we are, the more we're like God. There's nowhere in the Scripture that we can find where Jesus was poor that he didn't have enough income. And most people believe that the, when the, the, when the wise men appear before Jesus they come they didn't bring they didn't bring gifts for a baby wrapped in swaddling clothing. they brought gifts for a king friend come on somebody and we know that Jesus had enough money on hand that Judas was stealing from the coffer daily that he didn't notice but well, he didn't he did, but the others didn't notice how much was leaving the ministry. not only that he was able to provide a kosher meal for 13 in a room large enough for 13 people. He had money on hand. So this, this is a big time lie that the church has brought in that Jesus was broke. So let's look at this in Philippians chapter 4. I was in a... Uh, this is about two weeks ago. And I got a, when when I, when I changed vehicles, I cleaned it out, and I was cleaning my console out. And it's amazing what can get, get in your console after a few years. But I was cleaning my console out, and I found this CD. And it just says, Setting in Pastor John 2013. And I knew that there was a prophecy on there because I knew that night that uh, Wyatt came from Panama City. That night I was put here... In his pastor, and I was wanting really to hear that. And I forgot all all about the end of the end of the night when Pastor Dale prophesied over me. And what he was doing was it was um, it was a part where he was talking about he said, I believe this is fitting at the very end. And he began to talk about inheritance on there. And he began to basically, if you listen to it, I started to play it, but I'm not I'm not gonna play it. But at the end he said, the dream that I had in nineteen ninety. The dream that I had in 1990 before we was ever over there. Um, but the dream I had in 1990, he said, I pray that he's laying a transfer of inheritance into me in this moment. And then he goes on to talk about in Planets the Church in 1991. He goes on one year that he's in Moultrie. And I'm in this room in Tifton. I'm in, I'm in this room and I'm in there with some preachers and, and a businessman. And we begin to talk, we were talking about this whole area. We were talking about Tifton, we were talking about other areas. And I turned this, I turned this prophecy on, and I mean the power of God manifested in that room as if it was real, as if God himself was standing there. And I knew that, man, Lord, this thing is bigger than me, and this, this thing's real. I'm trying to communicate and put language on the best I can. And so, at the end, he goes on, and Bishop Jim Dutton called him out. He, he, he stood him up in that service. And he prophesies about resources. And he said, you know, that, that basically you you'll know that I'm in the you're in the center of my will because i will cause resources upon resources to be heaped upon you and know this son that moses moses saw the land but you shall go into the land he's prophesied over me in this in this portion moses saw the land but know this son that you shall possess the land and the people shall possess the land and the people shall build in that land and he's going through all of this stuff and it's just as real today as as it was in uh when he spoke it in 2013 I don't believe it was no happenstance that I traded the vehicle and that I found the CD in this particular season. I'm going back over a few things. So in, in January of this year, when I watched that thing by Lance, I began to look and study the man who he pointed to that said changed his life. And then I knew that that man was going to be in Colorado Springs, Colorado, in February of this year. And I had I was sitting on my back porch, and I felt like that I didn't do this, but I felt like I was supposed to take Danny, and we were to go to Colorado Springs, Colorado. And so I began to tell Danny about this, about this particular individual. And this man pastored for 30 years but church we got to be honest we don't talk about money inside the church but this is one thing that would, that the pastor spends half of his time in a council session talking about marriage and talking about money and when we talk about money we think that we're trying to get something I don't need anything from nobody in this room this morning so when I teach on tithing and tell you to give I'm not trying to get money from you I'm trying to get money to you are you with me now Chris was one of the men in that room when we were listening to it, And he looked out and he, we walked outside as he's about to leave. And he said this to me. He said, if I didn't believe it with all my heart, he said, there ain't no way I'd even be close to trying to run with what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? It's just real and we all hooked up. So who's the people that's going to build in the land? You are the builders. You are the builders. You with me now? All right, so Philippians 4.19, let's look at this verse of Scripture. He said, I'm fully convinced that my God will fully satisfy every need you have. Who's going to satisfy our need? God. I'm convinced that God will fully satisfy every need you have. For I have seen the abundance of riches, of glory revealed to me through the anointed one, Jesus Christ. And our Father will receive all the glory and honor throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. For I am convinced. Most of us read this and believe that we serve a God that is only sufficient to our needs. We must see him as a God of more than enough. We must see Him as a God not just to get by, but a God to establish something and a God to build something. Come on, somebody that can be handed down from generations to come when he showed up to Peter, he stood on the boat and he said, put the net on the right side. He said, Lord, we fished all night. We've we've toiled and we, we," he said, cast it out one more time. And he brings in a great number of fish. So his first revealing to Peter is not a God that will get you by, but a God of overabundance, not only to take care of you, but to take care of a community and to take care of a nation. This is the picture we must begin to see about God, that God establishes your business here, not to just make you wealthy. I'm not, not to just, I'm not, God's going to give us plenty of bread to eat. We'll get in this in a minute, but to start seeing him because most of seem, well, he can provide the rent. God don't want to just provide the rent. He wants you to be able to have resources in your wallet so when you see the need, you can go out and take care of the need. Come on, somebody, of the man laying in the street and be able to look at the person and say, listen here, I got you for the next three weeks if that's what it takes for you to get back on your feet. When my first revelation of this, I'm going to go back to a story. In 2005, We knew that transition was upon us. I was so pregnant with ministry, I couldn't hardly lay down. I thought I knew a lot, and I was ready to go shake the world for Jesus. And so the Lord began to put something in my heart about my hometown, and we were just in a lot of transition, and so we met with our leaders, shared what I felt like the Lord was in my heart, and from that meeting, things just did not go well. And so I remember coming, driving here to this church, going to meet with Pastor Dale. And I told him, I said, that I'm going to my hometown and I want to establish some worship over there. Worship has always been a big part of our heart. And I said, I want to do like some worship services, maybe one night a month. And I remember him looking at me, and he said, we're not, you're not going to dip your toes in the water and see how you like it. That's not what we're doing. Either God said you to go there, or he didn't say. So he was one of them, you was going all in. And then you either had to bring the tissues back, or, or you either made it. You know what I'm saying? But you was pushing the boat off into the waves. That's the way he did it. And so I remember being, I remember being excited, but I remember being nervous and scared. Because now I couldn't go over there and try it and see if it was going to work. Now we was going into, maybe he's talking about launching a church. And back then, we were big on launching churches, you know what I'm saying? And so I remember going back, talking to Catherine, and we prayed about it, and we, we talked about it, and we felt like, yeah, this is what God is saying. We're fixing to plant a church. And so I remember that we were scheduled to come here. I, didn't, I wasn't afforded the opportunity to preach. I was coming here, and then we stayed out there in Pastor Dale's cabin, and then the following morning, we were going to have hands laid on us. You remember that? we standing right here. We were going to have hands laid on us, and we were going to be sent forth to go plant a ministry in another city. And so I laid down that night at the cabin. I'm talking about God supplying our need here, okay? That night, I laid down in the cabin. I told Catherine, I said, it's going to take us years. It'll take us years to, to do this. And I said, second of all, we don't have any money. I said, how are we going to plan a church without any money? First of all, let me say this. If God's asking you to do something, He didn't look in your check register to see if you were able to do it or not. We must learn to live by His voice. Come on, somebody. There's no way that water will ever hold you up if you stand out out of your boat. Water does not hold you up. But if the Lord is standing out on the water and He says, come, water will hold you up, friend. And we've got to learn how to live by His voice. And so God was teaching me this in this season. And I told Kevin, I said, we don't have any resources and it's going to take us a long time to do it. So that morning we come up here and I'll never forget Pastor Dale saying, it was in 2006, we was around, it was around, um, around March maybe around March I think it was when we were here in 2006 he said we're fixing to plant a church in Alma and he said this man's gonna have a planted by Easter Sunday when he said Easter Sunday I like to pass out standing right there I mean my god you know what I'm saying i think we we could be in a couple of years you know what I'm saying he said we're planting it this year by Easter Sunday I knew I had to get busy and so we come up And the first prophetic word we got was this. Say not that it's going to take a long time. God says that the track has already been laid before you. That's another thing I want us to understand. Listen, we're not pioneering on our own. People have gone before us, friend. We are passed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. How many mantles are laid down in this whole regional area that people gave up on? Come on, somebody. That that people said that God was over with, that God couldn't do it. How many mantles are laying in this region like that, that is waiting on an Elijah? you to go grab the mantle of Elijah and strike the ground saying, where is the God of Elijah? Come on, somebody. I believe there's tons of that stuff all around here. So first of all, it's a lie to believe that I'm only out here by myself. God is with us, number one. And if he's with you and he's for you, then who in the world could be against you? Said the track has already been laid before you. Say not that it's gonna take a long time. It's like, oh my God. I knew it was a true prophetic word because I just spoke it out of my mouth that night, Unless they had cameras in there. You know what I'm saying? We pray they didn't. See law. But anyhow. So uh, anyhow, that uh she so got up here and at the end of the, at the end of it, I don't know who it was, but there was a person sitting maybe on this side. It was on this, it was to this side that came up. Back then there was, I want to think in that. That was back in the soup days, wasn't it? I can't. Yeah, we done made it to the jeans. Okay. (laughs) You know how I travel through these things. But so the guy come up. And I remember the guy was crying. And Pastor Dale just let him have the mic. And he was crying. And the mic was shaking in his hand. And he said, God said, we cannot send this man out of this house with no money. He's got to have money in his hand. To my knowledge at that time, Steve, I was the only guy that was sent out of here, check in hand, to go plant the work. A lot of times I just laid hands on him, spit on him, and said, go be, go be successful. Um, but God's helped us with a lot of stuff now. First of all, if a man's gonna be successful, number one, he needs a musician with him. He needs a minstrel to go with him because the minstrels release the hand of the Lord. He needs he needs people that's established around him to go help him establish the work of God. I don't believe in just sending one person to go and say go shake the bushes and make it happen. If you got a minstrel and you got resources and you got people around him, you 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 so much more success set up for success that way. So we left, and our member check was four thousand dollars at that time. That was the largest sum of money I had ever received in ministry. We preach, we'd get like a hundred dollars Chick Fil A gift cards. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying. But when there's five people in the building and you preach preaching, I mean, come on. So I left. You, you still with me? We got. We gonna get. We gonna get to some pl- place in a minute. So I'm leaving. All I got is a word from God that I'm gonna go plant a church in the city. I finally find the building the Lord tells me specifically what building to to get and when we go to the building I find out that the owner the owner used to have a computer store in there and the owners owners, her, her husband died of a massive heart attack in December so the building is just sitting here and I went by on my lunch hour to this lady's house and I knocked on the door this is a true story, man. God did this. It's, these are real things that I've seen the Lord do in my life. And I knocked on the door, and it was in my lunch hour, and I was in my phone uniform. And the lady answered the door, and she was maybe 90 pounds. Catherine, she was maybe 90 pounds, soaking wet. And she was in a she was in a house coat. At lunchtime, she was in a, she was ate up with depression. She just buried her husband. And I said, I said, her name was. Marilyn. I said, Marilyn, I don't know if you remember me. I said, she said, yeah. She said, you're John the Preacher. And when she said John the Preacher, the power of God knocked her down. right. There. I'm talking about she knocked her down right there at the doorway. If you'd have been filming it, you'd have thought I struck her or whatever. It looked crazy. I immediately pointed my finger and said, God said, I'm to come to this city. I'm to plant a church in this city. And God said, you're to give me your building. And I mean, just prophesying to her. And she jumped up. She was crying. And she said that, uh, I'll let you know in a couple of days. Within five days, she called me back and said, you can have the building for $600 a month. Notice God already gave me resources. I'm just trying to tell us where God guides, He provides and where He leads, He feeds. Come on, friend. We've got to see Him as El Shaddai. We've got to see Him as Jehovah Jireh. The first time it's mentioned in the Bible, it's not when Abraham's on top of the mountain when the ram's in the thicket. It is when young Isaac looks at him and said, Dad, I see the fire and I see the, I see the wood, but where, where he, he said to Jehovah Jira, the God our God shall provide come on that is on the increase of the mountain it's right now when it's real tight when you don't see how in the world am I ever going to be able to leave legacy to my children it's right now in that place you've got to start seeing him as Jehovah Jireh and allow and allow your mind to shift and change that he's a God of abundance even standing in your lack. We had everything ready except for the building had old tile in it, like linoleum tile. And and I don't know if because of the heat or what had happened, but the glue leaked out from under like the, all kind of places in the thing. And it looked like people just walked in there and just like spit tobacco in the floor or something. And I'm thinking, my gosh, man, I can't be, I can't, ha- I mean, God is a God of excellence. I mean, I can't be up here preaching like this or whatever. So I was on my job. I was right down the road from a business guy that I knew of. I was working in a telephone pedestal on the side of the road. This guy comes up, and the Spirit of the Lord came on me, and he said, you tell him what you're doing in this city. And I told him, and he said, I'm, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm prophesying that God sent me here to build a church, and that, you know, what, what I was doing in that city and he looked at me and he said, he said, tell me, what, what do you need most? Well, I knew what I needed most. I needed carpet. But the carpet was about $4,000. And that was a guy giving it to me at cost. And he was going to let for free. You know what I'm saying? He was going to help me out like that. I'm like, man. What, he said, you come by my office. He said, you tell him to call my office. He said, you tell him to put all brand new carpet in that building and carpet the front out there because of the walkway there. It had outdoor carpet on the front walkway that I had to tear off. He said, you, you have him to carpet the front too. And you tell him to call my office and I'll cut a check for it. I'm just trying to tell you, God will provide where he guides. Are you with me now? God will supply all our need according to his, not according to your ability, not according to your goodness, not according to your past tithing record, not according to how much you read the Bible. He will provide according to his, his riches and glory. He's not hooked to the S&P. He's not hooked to any world. He'll provide according to his, his riches and glory. You all right? Let's go a little further. Pull up this verse of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 18. Can you throw that on the overhead for us? Deuteronomy chapter 8. I got the passion translation. I can quote it if you guys. Um. You guys got it? Yeah. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers. As in this day, God is about establishing what? Covenant. Come on, y'all. God wants to establish covenant, and he wants you to know it's who. Who, Who's going to cause your business to thrive? Your research committee? Huh? Your marketing scheme? Who? God. God. And is He what? It gives us what? Power. We quote this all the time. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if it dwells in you, shall quicken your mortal body. We don't mind saying He he gives us power to lay hands on the sick. The same power for healing, the same power for deliverance is the same power to obtain wealth. Isaiah, pull this verse up for me. Isaiah 45 verse 3. Just in my reading about a month ago, I found this scripture and I sent it to a friend of mine. I said, you need to pray this every day. Isaiah 45, three. Listen to this. In, in one of the things that... Listen right here before we read this verse. Billy Elphart said that he was in Hong Kong with his wife on a, on a vacation. <clears throat> How many of you, know if you go into Hong Kong to celebrate with your wife on uh, for a trip that you're a little bit different than going down to Cecil at Motel 6 huh? and instead of getting mad at people like that and being envious and jealous we need to just start asking say man can you teach me how you do what you do if you'll teach me it may take me a little bit but I'll learn and I'll catch on you with me And in this book, he finds this this guy teaching on finance, and he opens it. And the guy says this, I was put on the earth to become wealthy. And when I become wealthy, I'm going to give it all away. That's the goal, y'all. The goal is to have your barn filled so that you can give it all away. See, what we thought about in the past was, it's about to make me big as I can get. But the goal is, is so that my barn's full so that I can give it all away. Maybe nobody else wants that. But let's go this. I will give you the treasures. And this is what this guy believed. He said, I was put on the earth to get wealthy. There's money with my name on it that nobody else can get. Let me tell you what the poverty mindset does in the church. When Stanton gets blessed, you believe he ate half the pie, so there's only half left. But the deal is, when God blesses him, he never took anything away from the pie. He never took anything away. All of it is still available for you to grab hold of. And instead of getting upset with him getting blessed, come on, somebody. It's the same God that blessed him. Here's my attitude. I should sow into what God is doing. Come on, somebody. Because it's only a matter of time if God's got that close to hit somebody in the family. It's only a matter of time before it shows up in my house. I will give you treasures of darkness and hidden riches of the secret places. Every day God's got treasures. He's got a treasure chest and it's up for you to get out into the kingdom and go find what he has for you. I'll give you the treasures of darkness and and the hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I the Lord who call you by your name am the God of Israel. What does he want to know you? He wants you to know He's Jehovah Jireh. He wants to give you these treasures in the hidden places. I would add that to my prayer life. God, show me this. Every day. Look at Luke 12. Y'all right? We're going to go hurry. Get in a hurry. You can listen to I told you this right here. Listen to this. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we're in the greatest shift that we have been since I've been at this church. In the next four years, we will build like you have never seen in your natural born life. You remember right here, I said it today. Put my name on it that I said we will build this community like you have never seen in your natural born life. You will see construction like you have never seen since you've lived in this region. Listen, by the Holy Spirit, God says I will release the the resources that have been held up for decades over this region. You will see businesses flourish like never before. God told me two years ago, contend for the entrepreneurs in this house. We will see 20-year-olds that will become millionaires in the time of their 20s through the entrepreneurial spirit that have come from this ground. I'm telling you by the, by the Spirit of God, I know that to be true. All right, look right here. Luke 12, here's what this is for. Jesus then gave them this illustration. A wealthy landowner had a farm that produced bumper crops. In fact, it filled his barns to overflowing. He thought, what should I do? Now that every barn is full, I have nowhere else to store more. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns and build one massive barn that will hold all my grain and goods. Then I can just sit back, surrounded with the comfort and ease. I'll enjoy life with no worries at all. God said to him, what a fool. You are to trust in your riches and not not in me this very night the messenger of death are demanding to take your life then who will get all the wealth you have stored up for yourself this is what will happen to all those who will fill their lives with everything but God listen here's what God wants to do God wants you to have a barn do we believe that in this room God wants you to have a barn he wants your barn to be full But when he fills that barn, instead of you building this massive barn on your house, he wants you to take the excess. Now, instead of going into that barn because your barn is full, God wants you now to be a blessing. So that when, imagine if that type of resources was upon this church right now. Now no school in this region would have to worry about because the government just cut the funds to the schooling. Now the church can step into these different, these different avenues of needs inside of the community and society, inside society. And we can be a light in the darkness. In an article written by Corrin and Robert Sawyer called Judaism, Markets and Capitalism, separating myths from reality, they lift five foundations for God to give us the power to obtain wealth. I want to talk to you real quick. You with me? Number one, they believe the Jews. See, the book of Deuteronomy, those are the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch. They're written to that Jewish mindset. You with me? So a lot of times when you and I and our Western culture, we trying to identify what he's talking about, but it's written to that Eastern culture and that mindset. So he lists five things. Five things. Number one, the participation in the creative process. Listen to this. Second Corinthians 6 1 says that you and I, 2 Corinthians 6 1 says that you and I are co laborers with God. There's no picture of this, you laying down and just going out there to the to the to the mailbox and picking up the check. That's welfare. God don't have a welfare system. He has a stewardship system. Come on, y'all. It says that you and I are co-laborers with Christ. So to their mindset, they believe in the the five foundational things to obtain wealth. They believe they play a participation role with God in this creative process. What is, my, what is my participation? I partici- my participation with God is faith. His, participa- his participation with me is grace. Grace is not un- just unmerited favor. Grace is the power of God upon your life to accomplish what you couldn't do on your own. Grace is like this. How many knows a little push mower, a little 22-inch push mower? With a little three-horse on it or whatever. If you run in bahia grass with that, it's going to choke down. you got to lean it back, you know what I'm saying, cut the top off, then cut the middle off, then come back and get the bottom. But grace, when it comes on, when it comes on that little 20, on that little brigand Strat motor, grace turns that thing into a Dixie chopper, and it goes like a bush mower through there. You with me? So my participation with God is faith. He just asked me to step out by faith. Start the business by faith. Y'all never had, listen, when we think about business ownership, and we're going to get in this in the days ahead, we think that we got to go get a storefront somewhere. We live in a time now on the Internet. People are, entrepreneurs on the Internet are making millions on the Internet. You don't have to have brick and mortar. You just need a business because you can never create wealth without business ownership. Which is why, let's go back. Which is why the Jews, what did they do? Remember in the par- in the parable of Luke 15, the prodigal son, when he returns home, right? He says, "I will no longer, I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. I'm gonna now just be like a hired servant, because what the hired servants received wages, they received wages for their work, but the sons were not paid for their work." But here's the deal. They didn't get a check, but everything they needed was provided for them. But by the age of 30, shout 30, by the age of 30, something happened. The father then transferred the business to them, or he either established them in another business, which was ownership. So number one is this creative role. Our part is faith, his part is grace. I heard one time of a preacher who went to go see an elderly person in his congregation. They had a massive garden, had tomatoes about five pounds and the preacher was going on and on with this couple about look what all God had done look what God had done in your garden and this look how God's blessed you with this and look what and finally the couple looked over there and they pointed at an acre of ground across the road that was growed up with thorns and thistles and said look what God had all by himself In other words, listen, I did what I know to do. I go out and toil the ground. Come on, somebody. I work the field. I spray it. I keep it hoed out. I keep the weeds beat down. I'm doing what I know to do. My part is the faith. Come on, somebody. But God's part is to provide the supernatural, which is grace, which is causing the rain to come on the crops, which is causing the crops to produce some 30, 60, and 100 fold. My job is just get out to tend the field. Every day when you go to your job or your business, look at it as, hey, I'm tending to feel. God, what do you want to do today? All right. Number two, they believe in the protection of private property. The protection of private property. You okay? Look at your neighbor and say, this man's only got 10 minutes, okay? You all right? Protection of private property listen to this it is important to have property in other words to become an owner when you own something you have the opportunity to become a steward of that which you own this is why God wants to give you something because he wants you to operate out of stewardship from the beginning of the Bible we see that God gives people land Eden, he gave to Adam what did he say go till it go subdue it bring increase here he said Abraham get out of your country to what? to a land God wants to give us lands man I could preach right here your place the way your place looks is an example of what you believe if God gave it to you man you go by your house and your grass 8 foot high And every part to any type of old Chevelle's laying out there, you ain't stewarding nothing. And you asking God to bring increase of what you're unwilling to do. If you want want another house, get up and appreciate the one you got. Y'all, come on. Now, I'm not trying to preach hard, but I am trying to talk to us. Appreciate what you got. Clean it. When I was a little boy, we didn't have much, but I remember every Saturday, I'm telling you, my mom was... She probably watches David. I ain't never seen nobody clean like her. On Saturday, she got out and bleached the driveways. (laughs) Did she knock it, huh? And when I was growing up, if you left something laying there, it was gone. My dad had like he was gonna build a new shop or something. Had a bunch of lumber stacked up behind the old shop he had. Mom burned like five or six thousand dollars worth of lumber in one weekend. I mean, I I remember it was. We had to all go get counsel. Clean it up. That's about being a steward of what God gives you. Come on, church. Be thankful for where you're at right now. I'm not looking out the window saying, I wish I had what the Joneses have. I'm thankful for what God gave me right now. And God, you've entrusted this into my hands right now. And I want to be the best steward I can be of this right now. I may not have a zero turn more, but I got to push more. And I can wait till the evening times when it cools off to get out and push more. God's trying to give us lands. And if we can't take care of one acre, how in the world is he going to give us 100 acres? Come on, somebody. I'm talking about increase. You know what today day is? Today is a measuring stick in the sand, saying, will you hear my voice and begin to store what I have for you because I've announced increase over this house and how we handle a message like this will determine who walks in it. Don't come five years ago crying, five years from now crying saying, well, we didn't know. When you see people paddling the surfboard out, you better get out there and be paddling. It goes back to quail hunting. We got a bunch, when we had a bunch of young dogs, the young dogs, I mean they 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 run, they full of energy and zeal, but you have to teach them to honor a point. That means an old dog, he might not be running far. You know what I'm saying? A good quail dog, you ain't gotta go hunt the whole field. He'll take you right to where the birds are. He stick his head up high and he can win the birds a long ways. But one thing about it is we always taught the young dogs that when, you know what I'm saying, when you work with them, you gotta beat the hound out of them a few times, but they'll lick, they'll get it. You know what I'm saying? Now they just do it in a more modern way with shot collars. When you see the boys on like in Arkansas out there with those duck dogs and they got them sitting up there and they call five names and waiting on Johnny to go jump and they call, "Hoo they holler all these names and Johnny don't jump to his name. That's because he's been shot 100 times before he was ever on TV. Ain't that right, Mr. Evans? But what we did is we taught that young dog that even though you don't sense it, even though you don't believe a quail's there, the old dog says the quail's there and you honor what they say. So I'm just trying to tell you, when you see people paddling out, you look at their life, man. Do I believe this person loves God with everything? Do I believe they hear God with everything? You know what I'm saying? All right. They believe that you got to own a piece of land. When you own land, you take the the stake down in the ground. You drive the stake in the ground, and now you become a steward. I want to finish this up right here for this. When we moved here, we had to rent our place two times. The first renters we had, it looked like the day they got it. I believe that if you rent a place and you run it down, how are you going to ask God to give you your own place? But if you rent a place and you treat it like it's yours and God's, then you position yourself to take your own land. Because how are you treating the rental house? How are you going to treat your own house when you own it? Only difference is... Oh, man. For the, for the three people that still online, we with you right here. Hold on. Come on, Abraham. Get out of your country. Look for a land that I will show you. Numbers 13:2 says, Send men to spout the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give to the children of Israel. God wants to give us land. Establish that in your life. Believe God for it. God don't want He wants to give you land. The they believe that the accumulation of wealth is a virtue. Jews believe accumulating wealth is a good thing. The church in the South believes that being poor is a good thing. We got to do a shift in mind. The Jews believe they see being able to steward and manage wealth as being holy in the earth. Number four, care f- for the needy. Matthew 26, 11, Jesus said, you will always have someone poor whom you can help. This will be forever. I do not believe that the church should overlook the needs of the community. The things that are that, that are in this community it, it, it overwhelms me at times but I know that in the heart of God he has wisdom and he has an answer to be able to handle some of this you with me we don't <laughs> poverty is associated with every kind of problem in society drugs family breakdown do what now racism the when, when we're out here trying to chop at the leaves of the drug problem the root problem is poverty and then when you have Ben Carson to stand up on TV that gets annihilated by the media who actually told them the truth because the media is the greatest false prophet in this nation right now come on now but I believe God's going to raise up real people in this, in this nation that will take down that mouth of that Jezebel spirit y'all believe that I'm talking about the real prophets. The real prophets is going to stand up as in the days of Elijah and said it ain't going to rain for three and a half years. And we're going to see it. Do y'all still believe we serve that kind of God in here? Is he still that type of God in 2020? Or did he take a break? Come on, somebody. There's going to be some real power on display from the church of the living God on the earth in the days ahead. God is not coming back from some weak, anemic, rapture-waiting church. He's coming back for a glorious bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish that is fully trained. Come on, somebody. And Joel, too, that there's never been an army like this, nor will there ever be one like this. Come on, somebody. This is what's happening. We're moving out of the church age into the kingdom age. All right. got sidetracked right there I had a good point but I lost it got the poor Jesus said we're going to have them always we don't need to just give fish we need to teach people how to fish I was telling Stanton this I was reading up on this this one guy who's done a tremendous amount of hit. the main part of his work has been in Africa and he, he was talking about the crusades and the things where these large crusades happen. And there'd be a million in a crusade and 300,000 get saved. And, and I'm all for souls being saved. But there's a lot more got to happen to the souls after they're saved. Are you with me now? We have got to do some rapid training inside the body of Christ. And so what will happen is after these crusades, philanthropists to come in. Who are your philanthropists? Bill Gates big wealthy people what they will do is take a village where 50 head got saved they will offer them stuff like sewing machines denounce what you believe this happens They buy the sewing machines. One year later, they go back and find the sewing machines. Whether they bought 100,000 sewing machines, what they will find is the sewing machines will have dust on them or either be broken down and sold for parts. Why did they take the sewing machine and break it apart what could have put them in business ownership? Because all they did was throw something at it without going in. Terry, you begin to teach me when you went to Guatemala about when helping hurts. We cannot just throw money at it. But if the philanthropist would have went in, come on somebody, and took Jesus' model like the apostolic model, which is what he got from the Greek, how did they go in there, come on now, and they Romanize everything. They established the schools. Y'all, man, there's some, why are you seeing all the anarchy in the streets today? What happened? How did this get here? Do you see the anarchy coming from 60-year-olds out in the street? No. It is your young college age because that spirit knew the only way you're going to change it is you got to infiltrate the educational system. Come on now. So you put, you put people that believe this type of stuff in education. And now our students are not taught how to think. They're taught what to think. Now they're killing each other out in the streets of our communities over a political party. How stupid is that? All right. So the needy we're going to have, we can't just throw money. We've got to come in and educate, come in and build up. This takes time. You have to work with civil organizations like your Boys and Girls Club. I just don't feel like I'm doing it any justice. That's okay. Number five, let's just finish. Number five, the Jews believe in limited government. Oh, Lord, don't preach on the government. Folks, the policy's being made today. Listen to this. I just read an article yesterday. The state of Hawaii just passed assisted suicide. They've bought how many... Did they start out with 30 or 50? 30. 30 capsules. 30 capsules has already been set up in Hawaii. This is what you do. It's like a little spaceship. You get in there. You sign the papers. Okay, I'm ready to leave the earth. You select what movie you want. You select what music you want. You have 30 seconds. You must hold the button for 30 seconds. 30 seconds. It releases the gases, and in there, you you die. You take your own life. Then the tube spits you out. No, the tube opens up or draws the gases that it just killed you with, puts them back into the cylinder. They come in there and discard your body of how you said you want to be discarded. They said we started out with 30. The good thing is is there's not much of a wait time to get in line for this, is what it says. Not much of a wait time right now, but we look to be installing maybe 50 more later in the year. That is happening right now. But the church is in here. And we go eat at the buffet and we get 10 pounds fatter. And meanwhile, society falls and collapses around the walls of the church. How did that come about? How, how did that even get passed? Because people go to a voting poll. Do not look at what people believe if they, but they stick with their party and put them straight in the office. Well, here comes the hate mail. They believe. And I can tell you something, church. We don't need to look and say, well, that's just Hawaii. That spirit is coming to take the land. I'll never forget Leif Hetland before he was ever big time. I actually rode in the car with him. He had a hand video from, was, I think it was Afghanistan one. Remember that? The hand video that he videoed as a missionary he had it underneath his shirt, right there where it had one of his buttons taken out where the camera is, where it was in a room of all these young children, these jihadists that they were training. Take the world over. Take the world over. Be a difference. Take it. Take it. Meanwhile, the church's mentality is, oh, I, oh, he's coming any minute. He's coming. He's He's saddling up right now. He's coming. He ain't coming, friend, yet. Lord, I'm going to get, I'm out here on limbs. But he said in the book of Ephesians until his body comes in equal proportion to his head, the church ain't at the place to tote the head yet. He's still looking for my. He's looking for that body to come up into full stature that Ephesians says, the the fitly furnished man of God is who he's looking to set that head of authority on to rule and reign here on the earth. My vision of the end times, friend, is we're not going out on the first load or the second load. The children of Israel weren't no pre-rapture. We're going to go through some things here on the earth. But one thing about it is he never promised us a cakewalk, and he never promised us it was going to be easy. a matter of fact, he said, I'm sending you out as little sheep as midst the wolves. But know this, I will never leave you nor forsake you in everything. I am with you even until the end. Get out and shake the kingdom. Oh, Lord. Y'all right? I'm, I'm calming down, but we gotta get out. I'm just telling you, man. There's some things that's gotta change. We can't sit here and sing. Won't it be glorious over there, man? When Kenneth Hagin wrote the Triumphal Church, he was in full kingdom message then. How many's ever read the Triumphal Church? Oh my God! All right. Limited government. Jesus believes, I mean, Jews believe government is here to serve, not to dominate. Listen to this. More government means higher taxes. How many enjoy paying taxes? Man, why did y'all get y'all's hands up? Huh? But let me show you. Millennials, don't pick on millennials. Let's just go to Jen. Let's go, let's go to the next one. Go to the next one. <laughs> they hear politicians, we're going to give you free health care. We're going to give you free school. We're going to buy you food, give you free cars. Man, where's it going to come from? It's going to come out of you that are working. It's going to have your taxes so high that you can't live. Now, let me tell you something. Right now, if you're, you're an employee of a business, you take your salary and you can, your employer's paying 15% more than what you're earning right now just for you to be an employee of that business. They pay for your, your unemployment tax. They pay for your FICA tax. They pay all of this. Now, think this. You take your payroll tax that you're paying, and then you add that to the taxes on the gas, the food, and everything you do. Right now, you're sitting with about half of your income, what you're able to live off of. And we're moving into election where one promises, I will raise your taxes. And thousands will run to the polls and vote for that because they hate the orange man in the White House. They believe in government, that government is to serve the people, but government must allow, government must allow for a business to operate and the business mindset to come into being. Are you with me now? The last thing I will to finish is this. This is where we got a lot to do at right here. The Jews believe there is no different from their work than their worship. They see hands lifted, exalted to Yahweh and their job the same thing. Man, if what, what would change? What, what would change on my job if I really believed I was doing everything as unto the Lord? That God placed me there. That when I do the thing that he's called me to do and I work, when Jess is pulling teeth, as bad as that sound, he's worshiping God. Huh? <laughs> huh? When you go to the job, you're, work, you're worshiping God. They don't see it as some bad thing I got to go do. They see it as a privileged thing that I get to do. And that this is my worship. When Steve goes on the job site, when boards are being slung together, it's worship. When Clay's grinding gears down the interstate, it's worship. I want to pray over us this morning. I'm telling you, man, the, the article on the, just Google what I told you about Hawaii. That article is so demonic, I about threw up reading it. Assisted suicide, now legal. Got clinics, just like abortion. Run in there and just kill yourself. God have mercy on our land. Friend, we're in desperate need of God. No political party's gonna save this nation. That's the problem we have. Republicans believe Democrats are the devil. But they also believe the Republican candidate is God-sent man to save the nation. And I can get on it in another day and tell you the, uh, the characteristics I believe this Anyhow, it is no coincidence who I'll vote for in this house. Or no, no coincidence or no question. Father, we love you this morning. Stretch your hands. Here's what I want you to ask the Lord right here. This is, this is the homework assignment. I want you to begin to pray that the Lord will show you the riches and the treasures in the secret places that he has for you. I want you to begin to pray that Isaiah 45.3. God, show me. Show me where they're at. God, show me the things that you have for my life. Father, let me see you truly as Jehovah-Jireh. Get me out of this fear that I'm going down. This fear of lack, remove that from my life. Father, let me truly see you as the provider. God, I pray that you would give me faith to start believing for an inheritance that I'm going to leave to my children's children. Give me faith to believe that, Lord. Give me faith to believe that I'm going to leave an inheritance to my kids. Not just the finances, but also I'm not going to be limited just to my prayer language that I'm going to leave to my kids. I'm going to have something they can touch, something they can handle. Father, I thank you that you want to make me a blessing so that I can be a blessing in this community. Father, I thank you for the great place that you planted us right here in Cook County in Adel, Georgia. I'm so thankful for this place. God, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege to reside here. And I thank you for the great amount of resources that's going to be displayed upon this region. Father, I thank you, Lord, just as Gary Brooks stood in his house and prophesied about exit 37. I thank you for the progress that is taking place out there. In the mighty name of Jesus, I trust you with my life. And I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You all feel good in your soul? Give God a great God bless you. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.